You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Brian Gill, what are we discussing this week? This week, we're talking about Everest. Fortunately. Yeah, we could have done Hotel Transylvania. That's out. It was. It was a big, big hit this weekend. I think it set the September box office record for uh, most oh, weird. The highest grossing I've, I've movie. I made it a, a habit not to go to uh, IMDb or any kind of Rotten Tomatoes just because we're since we're in the season. I don't want to be a spoiled or b you know have any preconceived thoughts on anything. So I didn't know what I didn't look at the box office from last weekend. Wow, that's crazy. What's the 40, intern too? Forty eight million. On uh, on Hotel Transylvania, the, the Sandman is back. Yeah, yeah. Jack and Jill two greenlit. Pixels two <laughs> greenlit. Just go ahead and make the entire Pixels trilogy. I think. Wow, Everest fourth place. Not a good showing. Yeah, yeah not not great. Not a great showing. Fourth. But it did okay overseas. So why is and the have- Scorch Trials making so much money? People like those books. I haven't been able to. See, uh, the first one was decent not like hunger games or harry potter but better than twilight or uh, a lot of other ya adaptations the books are okay you know <laughs> i mean they're, they're fine they're fine it, it is odd that they're hits but i think they they do a good job of releasing them too because september is definitely the time that you should release the maze runner movie like that's that's really smart yeah. because there's nothing else to see and so yeah what do we got on the docket this evening? It's a bare bones week. So we're going to give you guys some inside baseball. We we kick around some movie news topics little days leading up. You might be asking yourself, why are you guys doing Everest, the fourth place movie from this week, <laughs> and right. not the Scorch Trials or the Intern? Well, it's a predictive business, folks, and we uh, we kind of decide because we have to all go see the movie uh, over the weekend, and then we record shortly thereafter, and and we just try to pick kind of what's projected to be big. Uh, Hotel Transylvania, we knew would be a pretty big hit, but we, you know, not a whole lot of seven-year-olds listening to the show. Um, <laughs> some, but not a lot. Some, not a lot. And so uh, we tried it. We guessed Everest would do a little better than this, and it didn't. That's okay. It's still going to be an interesting episode. We'll still have some interesting conversation about it. And yep. then, uh, what, then also we count on movie news. We kick around some movie news topic, and there is nothing going on aside from a new <laughs> Revenant trailer, which, by the way, none of the three of us have seen. <laughs> no, I so, will. I will uh, say that. Everest was originally on the docket, but I think Black Mass got a date change. Yeah, I think you're uh, right. Somewhere along the line, and it got pushed ahead of Everest. Right. So here we are. So so movie news we're not going to have much this week because there's just not that much discussed. But right. the news fairy uh, did drop us a little uh, tidbit uh, just today. So we got an email from a listener. Uh, one of our frequent emailers, Connor Finnerty, today. And I will read that email for you guys. How does that sound? Lovely. Okay. Let's see. So it talks a little bit about uh, some potential American treasures, which we I won't spoil because it's one that I'm actually planning on for next month anyway. And then he, he kind of seconded that. But then he also comes up with this, this question here. What is the most disappointing film figure of all time for each of you? Someone who has showed such great promise or talent but threw it away. It could be due to a string of poor films and bad decisions, in parenthesis, he adds parenthetically, George Lucas, or personal problems, parenthetically, Mel Gibson, such a disappointment and a total piven. 
But I'd be curious to get your thoughts on the people who you think squandered the most potential in their career. So these are people that uh, we might make a list of this. Is this only directors? No, it can be either either actors or directors. Okay. So uh, someone who showed a great promise, obviously a director that comes to mind, someone like M. Night Shyamalan, who we discussed uh, recently on an episode. And then, uh, you know, yeah, someone like Gibson, who had a really nice, probably 15, 20 year run, and then due to some personal choices, uh, uh, you know, maybe not as much. So, so who are your guys? Who are, who are people that you were big fans of and then kind of let you down? Brian, I know one of yours, but uh, go ahead and continue. Yeah, I've got, I wrote down several. I wish I would have had more time to, to think it through because I'm a big list maker. Um, but as it was, I just kind of had to just like run through my DVD case and try to think of, think of some names help direct us but um he mentioned george lucas in the in the email and that's a that's a huge one because how do you make star wars and then make attack of the clones uh it's just a very it's a very odd and terrible drop off i've mentioned before cam crow is probably my maybe my favorite director of all time and the last two or three movies have been just terrible just really 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 bad and i don't really understand how we've gotten to that point and it makes me very sad like aloha brought me to the realization of like i may never see a good cameron crow movie <laughs> again and that makes me like borderline depressed it's a Watching really you be excited really for aloha thing. was painful for us as your friend i know i haven't seen yeah. aloha but it was playing on a flight <laughs> i was on and uh and i saw the beginning i was like i can't believe they're playing aloha i so I go about my business I'm on my laptop, like on my iPod things. So I look up and there's like a satellite flying through space and there's like explosions. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Movie? What has happened? Yeah. It, uh, it doesn't make sense. So you, you understood it just as well as I did. And I saw the entire movie. So willingly, I should have really, I know Not for look, the show. Yeah. No, look, I, and you know what? The sad thing is if he puts out a movie tomorrow, I'll go see it. I, I can't, I, I, I have to hold on to this. Like, half percent shred of hope that he can can write the ship and get it back together um even though every movie since whenever i don't know maybe even since almost famous is saying nope that's it's not it's not possible it's very sad michael mann's another guy that has made mm-hmm. some incredible films heat and even collateral which was like 2004 i think or 2005 that's a great movie and since then is just meh Public Enemies, and then uh, Black Hat, and that bad HBO and the, show, and the Miami Heat. I mean Miami Vice. Uh, <laughs> Miami Vice. Yeah, yeah, that was a nod. Uh, so those are some of the direct. Ridley Scott's another one, which I think that's, that's going to get corrected this he week. Just took mine. Yeah, I, I think he's. I think that's going to change this week. I think The Martian's going to be really good. But those are the kind of the directors I had on my list. There, I, there's a bunch of actors that I think fall into this category. Or into this conversation for different reasons. I think some of, I think there's guys that have not lived up to the potential that they have, and I think there's guys who got too big too quickly and then kind of just dropped off. And then there's guys like uh, De Niro and Pacino, both who, at one point, I think those guys were kind of locked into battle for who's the greatest actor of of the generation, and neither one of them has made a decent movie in twenty plus years, and so. Anyway, there's I think there's several names that could be thrown out there. Do you guys? I don't want to steal all the the attention or or say everything. So, what do you guys think? Is there people that jump to mind in this conversation for y'all? Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's people like Ridley Scott who 
maybe have been disappointed in a certain arc of their career. But I don't think you can say they've been disappointed because I feel like if you were good for 15, 20 years, then that is getting the most out of your potential. Like what else could you ask for? Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I'm trying to think of someone that only got like one or two years. Maybe was great in a film or directed one great film. Oh, I will say one. Go ahead. The Wachowskis. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, so you know, much promise. Great. You're like, wow, this is their first thing. And then maybe rewrote the entire uh, future of sci-fi. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, that's potential. And here we are, what, almost we're 16 years after The Matrix. And uh, still They're nothing. only getting better. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's a good one. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, I think Judd Apatow as a director. Uh, train wreck. Hmm. Oh, that's true. It's kind of a bounce back for him. That's true. Maybe as a writer director. Okay. Because he starts off with yeah. you know, you know, he he had a part as a producer or a director or a writer of some pretty good comedies, and then he kind of comes in with this auteur piece with knocked up and you know, at the time was just so groundbreaking, introduces to this whole new voice of comedy. He then he hits a lot of hits after that as a producer, right? Super bad is like my favorite sure. comedy of the twenty tens, but or two thousand the two thousands. But you know, as a writer director, you know, he follows that with uh you know, funny people, this is forty, kind of like progressively. All sure. of a sudden he just started turning up the exposure on his lens and making his movies seventeen hours long. <laughs> just weird. So that's that's maybe one. I'm trying to think of an actor that Brian, there's some actor that you and I were really high on and then it's turned out to be awful and I'm trying to think of who that is. Egerton is one for me personally because I yeah. I thought his early work was fantastic and, and has since been mm, <laughs> yeah. occasionally decent and occasionally quite bad. So that's that's not great. Brendan uh, Fraser. Remember him? <laughs> that, like, 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 was there a movie like, in, in like the late, you know, in, from 98 to 02 that A, didn't have him or B, didn't want him in it? At, you yeah, know what no, I mean? He, he almost falls into a different category for me of like somebody who – I'm not sure that Brendan Fraser is uber talented, but he definitely had a ton of opportunity and squandered that. Lindsay Lohan is. The I think same the market way. just cr- Lohan that's definitely, true. but that's private. You know, maybe personal issues, kind of like a sure. Gibson. Yeah, the market corrected itself on him. Through I, it's Miles Teller. It's Miles. We're gonna go yeah. back in five years and be like, remember where Miles Teller was a thing? <sighs> I look forward to that day. Yeah, I can't wait for that day. <laughs> At least Brendan Fraser seems like a nice person. <laughs> yeah. Right. Vince Vaughn, to me, uh, is somebody who I thought w- I was very high on early in his career and has since not done the most with the opportunities that well, he's true detective. had. Not that obvious. <laughs> who's, a, who's a big action star that everyone thought was going to be the next Cruise or Gibson? or? Oh, uh, the dude from Avatar. Is it Sam Worthington's a big yeah. one. He has yeah. a lot of opportunity. We, uh, we might talk about him later tonight in the yeah. Everest conversation. Sure. But yeah. He was anointed kind of like that by by James Cameron. Yeah. And I don't know if he yeah. ever really had a, a few movies where people were like, man, this – like Chris Hemsworth comes to mind now as somebody that's like everybody's pinpointed as like this guy's the future Schwarzenegger or whatever. You know, he's going to be in yeah. all But these. the only difference is that he is. So Yeah, yeah he's actually Exactly. <laughs> but I mean <laughs> if, he fall, if he fell off, we would say – No, totally. Yeah. But no, has, Worthing, Worthington had that the Terminator movie and uh, Avatar close together, yeah. and then I think there was another. I'm trying to think, oh the 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 Clash of the Titans. Mm-hmm. Oh and, yeah, and the Wrath the the follow up on that, 
and all of those did not do so well and his star faded he's not i've i'm pretty sure i've, I've read some stories of him just being insufferable yes. so that's that's always that probably so they're trying to do helps. they're trying to do three more avatars without him so <laughs> he's yeah. currently listed at, on the uh on the whatever he's he's announced i he do it but i'm just saying well, they, they yeah. were trying they were looking for ways to do it without oh yeah, yeah totally. have you heard yeah he's pissed about that like threatening to sue because they're apparently Cameron's oh yes like, just going yes. to invent sam worthington with computers yeah. be like don't have to pay you ryan reynolds is another guy that i think has had mm-hmm. yep. so many opportunities yeah. and and i like him i like ryan reynolds in a vacuum and then every movie is just like oh that was if deadpool doesn't work out he is going to need to Affleck and just go and, I don't know, work on his craft and come back as a supporting actor or something because we, we can't keep handing him the keys to big budget movies and expect good things. But he's good in small roles. Like I, Maybe that's just what he needs to do, but um, it's taken us a while to figure that out. I agree. I'm seeing a picture here of Fred Savage. Uh, on a new show with Rob Lowe, he comes yeah. to mind kind of. He, <laughs> no, he was in a he's lot of stuff. Crushing it as a as a sitcom. Oh, oh he's done, he's great on. I mean, he's behind the scenes on TV. He's everywhere. Yeah. You would yeah. never know that. But I mean, he was a an act a big actor too for yeah. a long long Will, time. Will Friedle, obviously. <laughs> ben Savage too. Yeah. Ben yeah. Savage is doing more than Fred Savage uh, on TV. Girl Meets World. Maybe What's the up? maybe the Grinder will uh, get picked up. <laughs> Great yeah, title. I'm... Great title. It's not... It is like it's like ninety three percent on. Good. On I'm I'm stuff. cautiously optimistic about that. That's one of the few pilots that I was like that that could be okay. That looks decent. Rob Lowe helps. Love Fo- that guy. Fox helps. Yeah, Fox. Fox yeah. does a good job. Uh, one for me personally that I mean. I think is gonna I think is gonna turn out all right, but we haven't seen it yet. Is Taylor Kitsch? I love Taylor Kitsch. I'm a big fan of his work on Friday Night Lights, and uh, his his uh, he's gonna be in the next Cameron Crow movie, and you're just gonna (laughs) oh really? What about uh, what's his name? Uh, John Krasinski. Yeah, Krasinski's another one. Yeah, Yeah. that's Um, one that's surprising because that guy has all the charisma in the world, and he picks projects that seem like great ideas at the time, and they always fail. Like. Every Hot off of uh, the Edward R. Murrow movie, uh, yeah. Good Night and Good Luck, with George Clooney's next directorial effort. It's a little screwball comedy about, about football <laughs> in the 1920s. Well, that sounds great. I'm in. All right. Well, it's Leatherheads. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, Matt Damon's <laughs> writing his first movie since Goodwill Hunting. Oh, Gus Van Sant's directing. All right. <laughs> this is a no-brainer. Yeah. This is a no-brainer. I'm in. I get to be the Affleck. Oh, and it's awful. Like, his... Krasinski's decisions are 100% justifiable. He just has awful luck. He's doing, uh, what's, what's it, 13th uh, uh, hour, maybe? Yeah. The Michael yeah. Bay? Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, we'll, we'll see about that. I mean, it looks meteor, but Michael Bay's directing it. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it looks yeah. like his one really serious like movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Pearl Harbor could be considered serious, well, he, but he, he made a consider, joke of it. He considered Pain and Gain a character study. So, who the <laughs> heck? <laughs> Oh, Pain and Gain is a terrible, terrible film. Uh, yeah. I, I'm hoping good things for, for Krasinski. Tony Shalhoub, think- though. Unbelievable. <laughs> More Tony Shalhoub, please. Have, you, oh. have we talked about Tony Shalhoub? Richard hates Tony Shalhoub. I hate Tony I, Shalhoub. Shalhoub. I would fight Tony Shalhoub if I met him on the street. <laughs> He's a piven. Oh, if only yeah. I for him. 
I love it. Listen to my like, super nice guy. I probably just saw him on like a bad day. It's only seen granted like two interviews with him. And like, <laughs> this guy. No, I'm with you. I don't like him for some reason. I don't really have an excuse for this. I just like eh, that guy kind of bothers me. Listen to Michael Bay's. This is since 2013. <laughs> Actually, I should start it at 2011. Uh, we get uh, this is producing and directing, I should say. Actually, this is only producing. I am number four. Great film. Transformers Dark of the Moon. Oscar winner. Pain, yeah. pain and Gain. <laughs> the Rock. Channel. The, <laughs> the, the Purge. Pain, oh. pain and Game. Colon. The A Game. Michael Bay's Pain and Game. So a documentary <laughs> on Pain and Game. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, that documentary about 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. yeah. It's like that, but better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's his room 237. So, yeah, exactly. It's just him in a room screaming at his assistant for <laughs> Then we have three parts Transformers, Age of Extinction, Perfect, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ouija, which is great. Best best horror movie about a a board game that I've seen. He, like, yeah, he opened a closet of some kids' toys from 1992 and was like, <laughs> yeah, no, can't do Battle Stone. No, can't do Jumanji. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. Project Almanac. Nope. Yeah. Furby, the movie. <laughs> uh, but upcoming, 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, followed by TMNT 2, The Purge 3, Ouija 2, Transformers 5, and Bad Boys 4. Oh, my gosh. There's a Bad Boys 3? That's yeah. been announced, yeah. Okay. So... So there's you know, that. People give Pixar crap for uh, going back to the well on sequels, but I would like to direct you to Michael Bay. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You're right. Drops we get Bad Boys 3 and Bad Boys 4 coming in 2017 and 2019. Well, you so. know what 2017 needs is Martin Lawrence, I think. So. <laughs> exactly. Well, that and Angry Birds. So it's getting both. <laughs> You've heard they're relaunching or rebooting Men in Black without Will Smith. Yeah, that is this. a huge mistake if they're actually doing that. Unless it's Chris Hemsworth. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems dumb. Well, that's always the case, Richard. What's, the universe of, of Men in Black is not unlike the uh, universe of Pirates of the Caribbean where they took this really inventive, fun, spirited thing and then just mm-hmm. re- removed everything that was great about it and then kept making more versions of that. Yeah. Really weird to me. I think three is a is a is a decent summer popcorn type movie. I, I enjoyed three. Two is a catastrophe, but luckily okay. it's only forty one minutes popcorn. long, so it's not. That- <laughs> I never realized. And, and thirty nine of those minutes are without Tommy Lee Jones, so that was smart. <laughs> I never realized before. I, I caught it on TV a couple weeks ago, maybe, and I didn't know what it was. I was watching another show, and I just kept the TV on, and and it started, and I was like trying to guess what movie it was, and then I saw Jermaine Clement, and I was like, okay. But I never realized how much that movie was meant just for 3D. Like every single shot in the movie is like mm. at that angle. Like you watch it again. It's really kind of distracting. I don't, I don't know if you get it, but it's Men in Black 3. So I know. It, now, now you kind of get it. Jackass already did that. No, I'm kidding. They did yeah, that it's bit. so dumb. <laughs> Man. And I wish Jaws. every 3 just by rule had to appeal to 3D. <laughs> I'd be for it. Harold and Kumar did their third one in 3D as well. That's true. We need more Harold and Kumar movies. I agree. Eh, I'm good. 
I, I, I could use man. more. They're the. They're the. I don't know which is which. Of which our, one is how Harold and which one is Kumar? I can't. I'm, I'm uh, not. Harold is is like Asian and, and Kumar is Middle Eastern. Okay. Middle Eastern. I need Eastern. more Harold, less Kumar. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Kumar was. Re- I, I've been. Uh, I've been watching uh, How I Met Your Mother reruns, and I uh, just got on a kick with uh, with Kumar. And he yeah. is terrible. He's not a good actor. I don't need any more of him in my life. Incredible. Um, good age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you didn't see the short-lived sitcom We Are Men because it was pretty good. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Did we do a – was that on our pilot It was episode? a Jimmy Fallon uh, – oh, wasn't right. it produced by Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, I think I know yes. what you're talking about. I think so. I think – no, I think that was Dad's. There was one called you know, Dads. Dads, and one Dads. Called we, we Are Men with CBS. Yeah. Okay. It, Dads was Seth MacFarlane. Guess who? Guess what? Who We Are Men had? Tony Shalhoub and Jerry O'Connell and Cal Penn. <laughs> and Cal Penn. Yes. Tony yes. Now I remember. <laughs> what yes. are the odds that we'd be talking about him in this capacity this the evening? Jimmy Fallon one. I can't that was that called was Dads. Called. It was. I remember. No, that it was, was like Anthony that was, Anderson. That, no, Dads. That was Seth MacFarlane. Guys with kids. Guys with kids. Guys with kids. Same thing. Whatever. I remember just Anthony Anderson <laughs> sitting in like a bar with a kid yeah. on his like strapped. Guy, to him. Guys like, with good kids image. was decidedly less offensive than Dad's was. <laughs> oh yeah, Dad's was the one with Giovanni Ribisi and yeah. Seth Green. I remember that. Dad's is, it's still a miracle that that <laughs> one got off the ground. Like mm, that one, I remember watching, and I was think that was two years ago. Now I watched multiple episodes of Dads just because I wanted to see how offensive it would be each episode, <laughs> like who they could come up with to offend that episode with. You can hear our full conversation on Dads in <laughs> last year's or two yeah. years ago, actually the pilots episode. Yeah. Speaking of, good good opportunity to tease our that. next one, which is hey. in a couple weeks here. Yes. Have you guys watched any? I still haven't. I have I've them all like my two. TV garbage. I've watched, watched like any. two out of ten. So good. The worst part is now I'm 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 having to like record shows that I I probably will hate, but just in case I like them, the completest in me is like, well, I got to record the second and third episodes, even though I haven't watched the first episode. And are yet. there any shows you watched from last year that you still? That is keep a up good with? question, Kinto. Um. Uh, the Flash. The Flash is really good. Oh. I like The Flash quite a bit. Uh, I like Jane the Virgin a lot too, and uh, that's about to hit Netflix. So if you've uh, if you missed that season one, you might want to check that out. I think it's a pr- that's a pretty enjoyable show. I had Gotham on my DVR for the first that episode just hit Netflix too, two, and I just got rid of it. I and I I want to say I actively hate that show. So I made it through a full season just. Based on, I like Grit, uh, termination. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. I just wanted it more. Lunch uh, yeah. <laughs> <Lord laughs> fail. Just yeah. <laughs> but it is not a good show, and I hate the direction that it is taken, and I hate every every uh, character on the show. So just want to put that out there. Gotham, terrible. Hate it. <laughs> Actively hate it. So there you go. So look and it, but it gets to- good ratings. So. Look forward to more comments like this on our pilot. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this season looks terrible, honestly, guys. Oh, it like does. The pilots from this this year just look. Last year there was at least a few like Gotham. I was like, I'm I'm kind of interested in that, and and Blackish. How to Get Away with Murder has Viola Davis, whom I love. So that was you know that's fine. Mulaney, we knew it was going to be terrible, but 
we wanted to see. I didn't. Any. I didn't know or think it would be terrible. I didn't. I didn't think it would last because no one knows. <laughs> yeah, who I is. thought the pilot would be bad, and then he'd like get right. it together. It'd be good. Yeah. It'd get his crap together. It. I like the people involved in that too. I know, yeah, like Nassim Pedrad, yep. and I like John Mulaney, and uh, Martin Short is fantastic. North American right. Treasure, Martin Short. Yeah. Yep. But would be so great if he'd just go back and be the head writer of SNL. He uh, he's just going to do stand up. Good for him, but because we love Saturday Night Live as much as we do and hate Colin Jost as much as we do, um, I would just like to see him go back and do that for a year or two and get it on its feet. I agree. But yeah, and, uh, uh, look for our pilot episode next next week, late next week. We're going to do a bonus episode and uh, check that out. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Do it. All right. That was a good talk, uh, guys. Way to fill 30 minutes when we had no news. That was good. Thanks to uh, Colin Finnerty as well for the the prop. We appreciate it. Boom. All right. Let's not prop. Let's talk Everest then, fellas. All right, I nominate Brian to start us off this evening. All right, let's do it. Uh, I didn't hate this movie. I kind of thought I was going to hate this movie. I I actually thought that I was going to leave this movie early because I was pretty pressed for time and uh, had a lot going on, and I just wasn't in the... Yeah, I almost I almost pulled the... I thought I might have to pull the Barton, even if it flash, wasn't bad, just because it was like, eh, I'm just, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, better than I thought it was going to be. I in kind of... I don't know if I want to say this is a this is a good movie, but it's uh, a lot more a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Got got to be honest. Not this is not my kind of movie. This is like falls into the like disaster flick kind yes. of movie, which I I don't care for. Uh, I made that case on I think San Andreas. Just just not a genre that appeals to me overall. But uh, good good cast. They all did surprisingly well from a performance standpoint i think because this is definitely the type of movie where even good actors are bad in i think because uh, it's very easy to just be like eh, there's a mountain behind me on the green screen so whatever uh but i thought they were all pretty solid the shot selection was decent baltazar but yeah. I, there's no way i could say the last name none so. of cats named baltazar or those please <laughs> yeah uh he i thought he he put together a decent film the i the the thing the things that are lacking are script related. I think the story kind of at times, and this is loosely based on a fantastic book. So oh, they yeah. had great source material to go from, and just didn't make it make it great. Um, 
But no, man, I honestly thought I was that I was going to hate this movie, that I was just going to be like, Ugh, I just don't care for this type of film. And uh, I was rather riveted to the screen for the most part. It was fairly even a little bit more powerful than I thought it was going to be. The the sequences with with Jason Clark and his his wife and uh, and and even just the sense of or the spirit of uh, camaraderie amongst the hikers and whatnot. Like it it worked for me on on a level that I didn't really think that it was gonna. So not a bad movie. Richard Barden. This is a weird movie. It feels like several different ones in in one. I. So part of it I liked, um, you know, it's, it is very well cast for a disaster flick. Normally they kind of, you know, blow it all in one big star, you know, be it the rock or John Cusack or, or, uh, (laughs) you know, whomever that person du jour is. But, um, this one had kind of a deep cast. There's some, some really quality scenes in here acting like intimate kind of acting scenes, not just like, and snow. Yeah, Um, totally. Yeah. I like that part of it. Again, the disaster piece for me, like, you know, it's just kind of formulaic on that. Yeah. Like that, that part, that second movie that they edited in. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I didn't, it wasn't awful. It's, it wasn't fake looking. It wasn't stupid. It was just kind of like, you know, I remember Vertical Horizon. It's all that, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. First Vertical Horizon, or not Vertical Horizon, <laughs> Vertical Limit, not the band. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little them. confused there, but I have I've seen, seen them live. Uh, I ha- yeah, me too. Me too. Um, yeah. Vertical limit. Vertical uh, limit. Yeah, with, with O'Connell out, uh, cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah, remember those? Yeah, like I've seen those type of flicks before. So yeah. um, this was a much better 2015 version. I'm totally fine with them making this movie. Um, it's not like something where I think they've they've been too derivative or anything. With modern technology, it looks pretty awesome in parts. But like, yeah, I, I think this was as we talked about with the Scorch Trials. Being very good is that what it is? The Scorch Trials? Did I nail that? Yeah, the Scorch Trials being a really smart release date. I think this is like you got to put this out in February, right? I, yeah. I know there's always snow in Mount Everest. I'm not. I get it, but like, that's true. People want to feel the snow in the middle of winter if they're gonna. You know what I mean? So like, sure. Either this is I a summer blockbuster it, they, or it's a winter movie. Don't put it out in September. I think they thought it had kind of a Oscar-y, like really surprising performancey kind of vibe to it so that's why they tried to probably push it as late as they could into the summer or at the end of the summer maybe I, and i think it's i think those performances are good they're not that good that was probably a fool's errand yeah with how many tears there are in this movie i'm just saying it has that vibe like sure. we're really going for it here this was not a cash in on anybody's part that was involved in it uh, i don't think but uh what do you think of it richard like I said, it, it was. I was. I'm torn. I'm, I'm gonna. I. I did like it better than I thought I would on the whole. But there were huge chunks of this that I was like kind of eye rolly. I did make it through the whole thing though, so it's better wow. than a lot of movies we've seen lately. Yeah, so I would say, you know, I, I'll, I'll give it kind of a middling grade. But that's. Pr- I think I, I thought I was gonna hate this. I went in totally like checking my phone during previews. No one was around me. Kind of like blah blah, mm-hmm. and then yeah. then I ended up fine with it. So. Yeah, this is an extremely obvious movie to make. This is the same thing I said with San Andreas. Uh, You just title it San Andreas, and you literally have people in class learning about the San Andreas fault to explain what it is, and (laughs) everything happens, and it's almost the same thing here. Uh, They're going on a mission to Mount Everest. They sit in a class, and they're taught uh, how high Mount Everest is. Here's what's going to happen. 
here's uh your body can die at this point x you know and uh man there were some parts where the exposition was just so in your face like this is exposition when the before they go on the mountain maybe at their first base camp uh she says i came on mount everest uh for this tell me why did you come to mount everest you know and it was the most like here's their backstories like not to say that that's to a fault because uh Mountain climbing isn't very exciting. Don't know if any one of you have done it, um, but uh, those of you maybe who have, uh, there's a lot of just walking and uh, walking <laughs> with a backpack for a long time. And so not a, not real easy to make that exciting in an action movie. And I get, and they were really trying to push this as an action movie. You knew what you were in for. I, I, I was like, okay, I bet somebody's going to freeze to death. I bet there's going to be some gory kind of uh, hypothermia going on, some maybe limbs being lost in the cold type of scares. You know what I'm saying? Maybe somebody falls from ice, uh, things like that. A lot of that was, was true here, but really cleverly assembled movie. I think it was, and really felt different at the end. I agree with that. Felt kind of like a different thing. Uh, A lot of exposition really, really bored me at the beginning. There are a few sequences like with the ladder and uh, Brolin, uh, you know, crossing the, I guess, ditch. I don't, I don't want to crevasse. That's what they call it. Crevasse. Yeah. Uh, with the ladder that, that made for an exciting sequence. And there are some other uh, exciting sequences as we get more spoilery here. I don't want to uh, get too deep into it here, but I was pleasantly surprised, but I found it like Richard said, very eye rolly sometimes. Uh, but man, this is a movie about, like I said, walking. So you have to kind of, either make the characters interesting, their backstories interesting uh, for us to root for them or, or care what happens to them or give us some really cool action sequences or make it shot in a way that, um, that stands out as something that's memorable or, or give us a different selling point other than just uh, that. But I mean, this is very derivative, but uh, well executed, I think, but let's get into sp- some specifics here, uh, what are what are some performances that stuck out to you, uh, Brian? Besides uh, Kira Knightley, I'm assuming you were talking about earlier. <laughs> yeah, crying. Her that one up. surprised me. I wasn't prepared for for her at all. Well, let's talk about uh, before we do that. Let's just talk about this cast and just like I was blown yeah. away how many people they got to agree to do this. Yeah, definitely. Not, and not, it, it, I mean, on paper, it would seem like that kind of typical thing. I don't know why so many serious actors uh that consider themselves serious actors like john hawks guys like that right right do that do uh such a blockbustery kind of thing it just makes me maybe balthazar is just the coolest guy like sure you know, everybody wants to work with him and he's just i mean i don't well, know and you I, know i think there was something to your thought too of them it may when they went into make this movie this may have had the the air of we're, this is going to be an opportunity for you to do some real acting and get that kind of biopicy award. Yeah. Cause it's based on a true story. Yeah. It really is hammered based on over, a true yeah. story based on a, a very well-respected book, um, from a very well-respected author, author, excuse me. And, uh, you know, and then it clearly did not go that direction. Even the poster like looks like, uh, an, <laughs> like a movie you see at the Omni instead of, uh, you know, like a super Oscar-y sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, I think that might have been part of it, and it does have an incredible cast. Jason Clark is an awesome actor, and I'm so glad that he's getting 
more parts, I guess. Like he's getting the opportunity he, to. He finally gets to star speak his in native movies. language, though. Yeah, yeah, one. that was very cool too. I think he is just awesome, and I'm a, I'm a he huge fan of his. Uh, I thought he was very good in this as well. Michael Kelly is always pretty good. Uh, John Hawks is one of my favorite character actors. Uh, Emily Watson was very good. And Gyllenhaal, too. That's a really small role for Jake Gyllenhaal to be taking right now. And yeah, I thought he totally. was, he was pretty solid. He's not a guy that I... I was surprised. I thought he was the lead coming into this. I did, too. I did, too, yeah. He was doing a lot of press for it, so I kept like yeah. waiting on it to... I was like, okay, that storyline's going to kick in here. Oh, nope. Okay, we're trying, 40 minutes. I think he yeah. was trying to wash the mouth out of... Uh, of Southpaw, I don't know sure. if that, that did as well as he had hoped or had planned. Yeah, so but when he like, yeah, this, but I got though, Everest I think... coming. Everest is yeah. coming. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess with the press, he probably was. Yeah, yeah. you're probably right. Uh, yeah, that that's surprising. Uh, just the amount of people in this was pretty mm-hmm. shocking, and yep. it just kind of shows you what Worthington has become. Because wouldn't you think that Jason Clark and Worthington would be switched? Like their roles would have been switched yeah, actors five years like, ago for sure. Five years yeah. ago, you know, yeah. for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I guess they were going for more somebody who had more acting chops for the lead role because Worthington yeah. is probably like, hey, well, probably might have auditioned for the lead or something like that. And they were like, no, what about this guy that doesn't do anything, kind of sits in the cabin and <laughs> talks on a walkie talkie? How yeah. about that guy? Yeah. That was kind of weird. Uh, I, did, I was surprised. I mean, I saw him at the beginning, like just walk by the camera. I was like, that was weird. Was that Sam <laughs> yeah. Worthington, like as an extra here? Or like, has, is he reduced to getting an extra? They're like, it's a job, guys. It's a job. Uh, but he shows up later, but, um, that was a little surprising, but, uh, what about you, Richard? Anything stick out on this, on the acting front? Yeah. I just thought the cast as a whole was, was a lot more solid than they had to be in this, in this, I'll say that more. I mean, I don't, I think the scope of this acting isn't particularly the most difficult thing on the planet, but the scenes were written in a way that allowed actors to act, which is a lot in a Everest flick. <laughs> like sure. yeah. I didn't see that. So that's much what I'm coming. saying. You have to have that. You have to yeah. have accurate ground- like, stories gr- that people care about because it's people walking for two hours, if not. And a movie that came out last year that I thought did this really well was wild with Reese yeah. Witherspoon. Yeah. yeah. Sort of the well, same thing, just yeah, summiting a peak, but it's just yeah. her and it's really well shot. And the story's really great. And again, based on a great book, but that was very well executed, and she got a nomination for that. So it could be done, I guess. This isn't sort of more of an ensemble piece, but you know what sure. I mean, I'm uh, saying. Should we go spoilery or early or no? Is there any other? We might as well just hop on into spoiler territory. Which storyline did you care about the most? There, are, There's one for each character, so pick and choose, I <laughs> yeah, guess. Yeah, I think going in, I may have thought the, the crack hour storyline was going to be the one that interests me the most because i am such a huge fan of him and and he's the author of the book and and all that but uh i clark won me over dude i thought he he just brings a real authenticity to that role that again i think that's what i'm most impressed with with this whole movie is that these actors are giving really good performances for a movie that just you just i just did not expect that going in i just didn't think we were going to get uh anything better than solid B acting, you know? And, uh, so the, the Rob Hall storyline is definitely the key feature of the film. I think, uh, at times it seems like they're trying to promote Brolin and his character and, 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 uh, Robin Wright as the, you know, the kind of the, the strongest B story. But uh, I think the Rob Hall bit with, with Jason Clark Lena was, was very good and, and quite, 
uh, effective in in most cases. I felt like. Did you see it on in three D? Uh, I did actually. You did. I did. It was the only time that I could see it. It was it was one of the uh, the better three uh, D experiences I've had because I haven't wow. had one in a while. So maybe I just thought of, hadn't thought about it. I'm sitting here with uh, the person that I actually saw the movie with, who has some thoughts on uh, on Everest and uh, his general thoughts. So how about Richard and Brian interview him about Everest? Take it away, Richard. So, uh, did you? How close did you sit to Ken? Like, did you go seat apart, or uh... um, how how close did I sit to Ken? Uh, we were um, a hands hold length away. <laughs> no, we were a couple uh, seats away from each other. Okay, so cool. That's that's my only question. <laughs> <laughs> what did uh, what were your general thoughts on the film? What did you think? What? No, let's do this. What did you expect going into the movie, and did it live up to that? Honestly, I, I saw the cast ahead of time, and there was a lot of up-and-comers that have been at it for a while. Clark, I believe, and then a few people that have had some really good serious roles. So I was looking forward to seeing their take. And, I mean, it's kind of one of those unfair stories to do because it's like he, most people know how it ends, and it kind of pulls on your heartstrings a bit. But I, there was a more uh, humanistic uh, aspect that I really liked to it that that kind of, you know... Uh, made up for you know its blockbustery disaster flick, if you will. Yeah, we were talking about it earlier. I think you know it's it's oddly two films in one. Yeah, right? and it, they feel kind of spliced in a way where uh, they have this sort of nuanced uh, character piece about these these climbers, and then you know oh this is going to put people to sleep, so let's you know blockbuster this up. Uh, I cared for the former. I, I the, the latter, though well executed. Just you know, I've seen that a lot of times. It's as if they couldn't decide: should we make this a blockbuster or make this an yes. Oscar-y thing? Yeah, yeah totally. That, yeah, that would How about be for my... one hour we do one, and the other hour we do the other. And I'm thinking right. on the script, the reason that a lot of these actors were drawn to it is because on the script it seems like they're going for the former, right? Because you don't see these giant like IMAX, uh, sure. you know. So these people probably think they're in the next Gravity which is probably why they all hopped on to do it. Um, but it doesn't quite work with that level of, of walking the line there. In, in that sense, it's interesting. But it, it, yeah, it's super kind of jilting between the two films in a weird way. It gives you a little jolt. But uh, the parts where it works, it works really well, right? Sure. I think yeah. so. And visually, it was, uh, yeah, stunning to say the least. So yeah. I, think I saw it at the IMAX over here um, in Dallas. Just Like I said, kind of just by chance. First IMAX 3D I've done in, in a little while. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, you know, blown away at the at the uh, you know, the action scenes. To me, were like I said, that was the the fun in them was how well done they were. But it was just, I just at a certain point, only so much snow can fall and people exactly. Can so why not see stuff. it in, in IMAX? There's not many yep. movies I do see in IMAX, but I think this is one of those ones that has, you know, the decent stories. You know, obviously the script is what it is, but um, for what it was, I thought it was good. So. I didn't hate it, but yeah, I think we're all in there. I think we're surprised. I think I honestly, if I had Rotten Tomatoes it before I went in and saw that it had gotten pretty good buzz, I would have probably liked it less. But I thought it was like a total dud for some reason, yeah. critically. So like, I went in like Ugh, hating it, and then I was so pleasantly surprised that it was decent um, that I, I enjoyed it more. I there were some cliche characters. I want to say that. Uh, oh, totally stereotype. Like I, this might be based on a true story, but if it is, it's based on like some 
Okay, there was a really stonery one. There was one that uh, had a family trouble back home. There was one that was starting yeah. his own family. You know what I mean? There was a very it was very yeah. cliche. Like, uh, I mean, lines, it, it is it's based on a true story. But Krakauer came out this week and and bashed the film. So yeah. uh, he clearly wasn't thrilled with with a lot of the the adaptation. He said something like he'd sold the rights to the the movie in like 1997 because his agent basically told him. Movies never get made, so just sell it, take the money. And he said something to the effect of, "I regret it every day." Like, so yeah. it's great. It's what you want. Let's talk more spoilery stuff. Uh, there was, I was really confused, or I was guessing, like, how are these people going to die? Who's going to die? Mm. And uh, and it let me down on some ways. Like, I thought some people were going to die. I was like, surely they're going to survive this. And then they would die. And I was like, what is happening here? Uh, but I want to get more specific there. Uh, I guess we can talk Jason Clark. Uh, did we think he was going to make I didn't know this story before, but I thought he was going to surely, like, come down. Because they kept saying, where is Rob? Oh, he's still up there. Like, he's just coming, about to come down, you know? Like, not like he's gone, like everybody else. Nope, and, then he just never, and he just never came back, and uh, we never really even see his dead body there. And I thought John Hawks would survive. Um, I thought Josh Brolin would die, who ends up surviving. <laughs> I mean, it was very – I mean, I was, like, thrown all over the place with yeah. the people's They fates. kept the mystery alive pretty well on that that front. I knew this stuff going in because of, of having read the book. But, uh, yeah, it was – I thought they did a good job of – of making that uh, a little confusing at times. <laughs> Be interested to know how much of this was shot a at Mount Everest or B on a mountain or C, you know, CG. I would love to see a visual breakdown of this. Sure. It seems like one you could really cheat with and get away with a lot and could make for a, just a little bit of mon- money with some act, you know, some footage of the actual mountain and then like green screen and fake like CGI snow. It's a lot of, a lot of snow effects in the later scenes. Uh, with the storm and all that, it just goes to show Mother Nature is the true killer. Mm. Man, what a moral! <laughs> Somebody said, I think it was Brian said, it made you think more than you thought it would. Uh, yeah. What did you mean by that? Like, I have no interest in climbing a mountain. Um, that's not part of my outdoorsiness. But I have. It's the same as like Into the Wild is probably my favorite mm. non nonfiction book. Uh, of all time, mm. and the, I think one of my favorite things about that book is the reaction that you get when you bring it up because there is no middle ground, <laughs> or there's very few people like me who are in the middle ground where uh, either you think Chris McCandless is a hero or you think he's the biggest idiot on the planet and that he deserved to die, essentially, like that he put himself in a position uh, where he brought death upon himself. Or you think he's some kind of like a folk hero. And I think that's kind of fascinating. But one of the things that I I love about that community, the the outdoorsy, whether it's the hiking community or the climbing community or hunting or fishing or whatever, um, there's a great, great sense of camaraderie between those those people. Much more so than like we're all sports people and you, you we get like like Richard and I are huge Mavs fans, and so we commiserate together essentially. But we don't really commiserate with Spurs fans. Like we want them to suffer, and uh, and it's 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 a different feeling when you get uh, w- with this this group. Um, there's a lot more 
of unity between the groups. And you see that in movies like Into the Wild or Wild, which you referenced a little bit ago, Kent, where you know, one climber comes upon another in peril and they work, you know, they help each other, they work out or they give hints about what's, or, you know, whatever's up up ahead, things like that. I thought this movie really nailed that part of the story. And I just, I just didn't expect that. I didn't think that this kind of film was going to, I didn't think we were going to get that in this movie. And it was much more, touching in a way than I ever expected to get from disaster movie about an avalanche, you know, like that just, that very much took me by surprise. And I very much enjoyed that portion of the film that, that movie within the movie was a really good movie. The, uh, as you guys mentioned, the more blockbustery stuff was both boring in in a lot of way, boring and, uh, derivative of stuff that we've seen plenty of times before, but I enjoyed that. I thought they did a. I thought Balthazar and and the cast did an excellent job of exhibiting what it is like to be a climber in these situations. Because none of this makes sense. Like this is the, one of the stupidest things that you can do, really, to try and push your body to a limit where they say in the movie, like basically your body is dying if you go above a certain height. Um, or elevation, excuse me, and and but they do it anyway. Um, and I, I I thought that it was a very it was a much more authentic and uh, respectful stance that the film took on the the climbers themselves than I really expected it to do. You know, going in, and that 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 worked for me. That was a very that that brought a little more intelligence to this movie than really it had any right to have in some ways. I think I missed the part where the oxygen tanks went missing. What happened there? There weren't enough. They didn't get delivered. Did somebody steal them? I didn't understand what, what happened to them. You know, did that, was that explained? It's been a long time since I've read the book. And so I can't, I don't think it was explained in the movie and I can't remember if that was a in the book and B, what the uh what the what what happened with that scenario it feels familiar but i just i just don't remember and it's been a really long time since i've read that we have any other thoughts before we move to grades on this one closing closing statements brian you have it before it's a, it's a much is this not a top deep... tenner of the year for you anything no not, it's not, not it's close? not top 10 or anything like that but it's i kind of thought it was going to when this movie was announced, this movie looked like a either a movie that I'm going to skip altogether or a movie that I'm just going to really dislike. It just it, this doesn't this material the the way that these movies are put together, the genre that just doesn't appeal to me at all. And it just seemed like it would so easily be a very bad disastery type movie. And instead, I I liked it. I thought it was pr- I pretty good and the acting definitely helped that and carried it along and there's a lot of issues and overall i'm pretty impressed with this uh much 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 more so than i would have ever thought i would be wow i'm impressed that you're impressed actually (laughs) didn't think you would like it either uh richard any closing statements no it's a unique movie i think i like it more the more we talk about it than when i did when i left the theater so that's that's interesting that really happens like brian not top 10 but not bottom 10 either which i was almost certain that it would be sure pretty good makeup here too i wouldn't be surprised if this comes up later and like a yeah i think it's gonna win some tech or be nominated for some technical oscars for sure we'll see all right grades brian 
Uh, I'm going to go B plus. Richard. I was going to go C plus coming out of the theater, but talking about it, I'm going to go B minus. Let's go with the old B minus too. That's a good grade, Richard. Thanks. I do mind. Two weeks in a row, I've been higher than you guys. On uh, <laughs> normally, we're way higher than you, bro. <laughs> I know. Normally, I mean, sometimes <laughs> Brian's way higher than us. Um, uh, let's hit up a recommend then, shall we? Let's do. Shall we? Weekly recommends. Brian, I guess you can kick it. All right. There's a documentary that uh, just popped up on Netflix that is one that actually our friend Richard recommended to me a few years ago that I quite liked. I have not uh, rewatched it since it hit Netflix, but uh, I think people would enjoy it. It's called Exporting Raymond, and it's oh, yeah. about... Oh, I've seen uh, that. I saw that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is a really enjoyable. Movie, it's yeah. it's very short, and uh, it, it it's about Phil Rosenthal is the guy who created... Uh, everybody loves Raymond and he is essentially he's hired to go to Russia and <laughs> get the Russian everybody loves Raymond off the ground and it's it's hilarious because they Russian the culture does not <laughs> lend itself to this <laughs> lend itself to what makes everybody loves Raymond relatable or funny or whatever you want to call it even if you're not a big everybody loves Raymond fan it was a huge hit for a long time and he just has he just runs into all these weird problems that you would never expect and it's it's just a it's very it's funny it's it's easy it's harmless but it's also I think very insightful of just the differences between yeah. cultures if you see yeah. this on Netflix and you're not a Raymond watcher or fan don't stay away because yeah that, it doesn't yeah, matter at all it's about it's about someone trying to get American comedy done in Russia. And right. Phil Rosenthal is a very eccentric and interesting person and, and a, yeah. a, a good lead character in a documentary. He, he's, he seems like a Seinfeld character almost, yes. except he's a real person. Yeah. So it's really interesting. And uh, like I said, it's short. You can watch it. It's not even 90 minutes long. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a fun little documentary, and I, I think people would enjoy it. So check that out. Just hit Netflix a week or two ago. Yeah, I saw it in my television programming uh, class uh, a couple years ago and yeah like you said really informative good yeah. little like crash course on kind of what happens and goes into a pilot and it, not only that but syndication and all that it's really interesting and and what a cool documentary what a good idea for one yeah too. it's weird how like similar the people are like it's really like a russian ray romano like that they find you know uh, like a yeah russian yeah. brad garrett like they're almost identical <laughs> like it's it's really crazy uh, yeah. but then they have no idea like they keep putting the women in like these ball gowns yeah and he's like you can't right. she's supposed to be mopping in the kitchen today like she can't <laughs> right. you, know, you don't understand she's some weird she, translation she is there, beautiful yeah. she is beautiful she must look beautiful it's like yeah I, she can't it's so funny I think uh, uh, there's a lot of shows that have gone overseas and done really well from America. I mean, America rips off everything. Almost everything we have that's successful over here was ripped off from somewhere overseas, somewhere, some show from Turkey or something, you know. Uh, but, I mean, we've had some shows go overseas that have done very well, too. So that's an interesting look at that, I guess. I don't know if that show is still around yeah, in Russia. The Zimbabwean but... uh, Girl Meets World is fabulous. <laughs> I recommend it. Way far superior to ours. <laughs> You have Zimbabwean TV on your package. <laughs> I have a uh, well, I have worldwide. A, I have an app. 
Oh, yeah, the on demand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On demand. It's got to be expensive for uh, it's very, it's very long expensive. distance it's, is pretty crippling. Totally it's worth it. It's crippling, but worth it. I'll pay anything for quality programming. Yeah. I'll I have to that. work three jobs, but uh, it's worth <laughs> it. Pays off. Okay, good recommend, uh, Brian Richard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit weird with this one or, or in terms of format. So I've been going through this weird phase lately where I've become obsessed with the art of magazine profiles because I love to read. Ever since I was a kid, I loved to read magazine profiles where you know a journalist spends a few days with a um, a celebrity, and so I've gone through like these books and books of the New Yorker profiles and and uh, a bunch of other magazines that have done them as well, and and then kind of kind of the way I tend to research these things is read things I like and then figure out things that influence them and then kind of trace everything back. So I read this, so I I kind of learned throughout this research that this guy by the name of Gay Talese. Um, was a uh, is the, the greatest profile writer of all time. He wrote for the New York Times shortly, and then for Esquire for many, many years. This iconic New York uh, sports writer and uh, kind of celebrity profile writer, long form. And uh, Brian, this is definitely up your alley, and Ken, it might be up yours. He wrote this uh, magazine piece for Esquire in the '60s, um, right as Frank Sinatra was turning 50, uh, called "Frank Sinatra Has a Cold," and it's it is considered to be the greatest magazine profile ever written. And essentially, what Talese did was he uh, he's supposed to interview and spend time with Frank Sinatra as he has this this uh, TV special coming. It's from April of 1966. Uh, edition of Esquire magazine. He's supposed to spend time with him, and then Frank Sinatra comes down to the cold. And so he cancels the interview. So instead of just kind of bugging off, Talese decides, well, I'm just going to kind of hang out and observe the whole Sinatra machine, because Sinatra at the time had like 85 full-time employees, um, and just kind of get a vibe from him from that. And uh, it's, it's, it's like the most captivating. It's about, in, a, in book form, it's about 30 or 40 pages. Um, and online, it's, it's, it's all obviously all one. And I'll put the link on the website. Ken, I've sent it to you right now. Um, and uh, it's just one of the, you know, if you like kind of 60s books. Whoa, coach, that was weird. That was like instant. That yeah. was, you actually sent it. You know, <laughs> that was, that was, they freaked me out. I was like, whoa. <laughs> but if you're kind of interested in like early Hollywood or, uh, you know, it's, it's Sinatra as he's dealing with kind of the mid '60s boom of rock and roll and all of this, and uh, he's not always a pleasant camper, but it's 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 not scathing or anything. But it's it's like the best. It it deserves the credit as the best uh, profile piece ever. So I highly recommend it. Frank Sinatra has a cold by Gaetulis. Uh, last week I recommended an album, Kendrick Lamar. It's great. Everyone should listen to it. Uh, but I'm gonna recommend another album. Keep this going. I love this trend. Uh, Ryan Adams. <laughs> Yeah, 1989, great. Awesome. It is great. Favorite really track on it? Uh, all you had to do was stay. Uh, mm. was is great and Bad Blood, awesome. Really good song. I like Wildest Dreams a lot because it sounds like a late 90s rock song. I think it's funny how he did that. And I like um, This Love it is really good with just the piano. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Aside from the Taylor Swift thing, and we can nip this in the bud right now uh she's a really really great songwriter and this this album proves it um yeah and she will go down in history as a great songwriter writer i should say because a lot of her peers don't write their own music which i I think is really cool that she writes her own songs and she co-writes i get that with a lot of people but co-write is the key word because she writes with other people in the room and other influences and that's cool that's collaboration and and stuff but his take on it is awesome and Ryan Adams is awesome. We've talked about him before. Ryan Adams is the best. I'm I'm really glad. I've been in look, 
I'm not cool music guy at all. And uh, I, there's plenty of horrible music in my past. I've been on Ryan Adams since day one. And for so long, I kept telling people, dude, you've got to listen to Ryan Adams. You've got to check. You've got to listen to Heartbreaker. You've got to listen to Gold. And everyone's like, eh, you know, okay, whatever. Nobody. And it's, it's so cool that it seems like he's finally kind of like breaking into the mainstream in some ways, which I don't know if he cares about, but and it's I too bad. He has I to, want do people it. to listen to him. It's like in a kind of a gimmicky way, but it's not a gimmick. Yeah, but maybe that leads to people listening to some of his original yeah. stuff because he is a fantastic musician and just, prolific. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to listen yeah, there's to. There's just so much stuff out there. Yeah. He's great. I need to get into his back catalog. I need to do that. Yep. I'm jealous of your knowledge of it. Heartbreaker. Best uh, is my favorite album of all time. Really? First yep. It's it's an amazing, amazing album. Yeah. Sweet. And his stuff with nice the Cardinals roll. is fun, too. Yeah. It's cool. different, but it's fun. He has a cover of Wonderwall, too. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. It's fantastic. That. Yeah. I used to rock around the Come Pick Me Up when I was in early high school. And oh, yeah. I think dude. I was BA. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Okay, Brian, where can we find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill12. And uh, occasionally, whenever I have time, you can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden or richardbarden.com. Kent, where would I find you? Find me on google.com and uh, find our show at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And until next week, we will see you. How do I spell Google? Movie. What? Yeah, I only use Bing. I don't, I don't know. G-O-O-G-O-L dot com. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. Like the uh, like the Russian writer. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Cause baby, now we got that. You know we used to have that. Take a look at what we do. Cause baby, now we got that. Now we got
oh my god, he takes a personality test and then interviews with this lady that's like a professional psychologist with personality tests. And it's like the old school Colbert interview where like he goes to her office and sits with her and just totally Fs with her for like 11 minutes. And yeah, she has no, she's a real great sport. Like she troops through it, but he just ties her up in like 13 different knots and <laughs> she can't. Hey, did you see him interviewing? Uh, who was it? Was it Ted Cruz? Yeah. And they were just booing him. <laughs> Yeah. They're just booing Ted Cruz. I can't. I couldn't believe Steven even acknowledged. He was like, "You can't boo my guests." He's my guest. Yeah, it was really classy. I thought. I thought like, it was classy, but think. like, it's my guest. Please don't boo him. Okay, continue. Yeah, I, that's crazy. Uh, it's just, it's just you never seen anything like that on a. He's great because they can't talking talk point because he's freaking smart. And so Ted Cruz is like, "Well, I don't have anything against gay marriage personally, but the Constitution does say." And he's like, "Nope, Constitution doesn't mention marriage of any type." Well. <laughs> Okay, but you know what I mean. <laughs> doesn't mention it. Not, there's no mention of marriage in the Constitution. Like, if that's Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon's probably like, okay, yeah, agree to disagree. Don't worry about it. Colbert's just like, no, I'm sorry. I have the so whole- great. So great. <laughs> so good. Constitution's so good. You're so great. Can I vote for all 16 of you? I want to vote for all 16. You're all awesome. Now we're going to play Constitution Pong <laughs> with giant constitutions. God, so good. Quest Club, how great is that, man? <laughs> it's like just seeing money. The one thing that I that I will admit that Fallon is far and away better than than any late night um, show is the Roots. Oh, the yeah. Roots are incredible. Yeah, I'm not a huge. I thought I would like this John Batiste guy a little more. He's kind of not a huge fan of him as a band leader so far. I like his music, but his yeah. um, I guess contribution to the show. Yeah. Has not been up to snuff. Of they should have just kept Paul. Is. Just keep Paul. Yeah. What was wrong with Paul? Maybe we could trade that guy for Reggie Watts. Hey, Paul. Corden show. Reggie yeah. Watts. Reggie Watts should be on Colbert. Yeah. 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 It should That's be the other saying. way around. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I love Reggie Watts. I had no clue he was on that show because that, that I might be the best two hours thing. of late night that we might ever get. Oh well, yeah. The Cord- Colbert. Corden. Yeah, like Conan Watt. going into George Lopez was pretty awesome. <laughs> Lopez tonight. <laughs> pretty sure yeah oh yeah it was after yeah that corden show is really good the the several guests at once is always a great idea for that later night show that's, that's myers a, yeah. was so stupid to not f with the format a little bit i mean he should be doing a bill maher style style panel show that should be the seth myers show the reason should be politically incorrect with seth myers but seth has said that the reason he did he does stand up or he did as a monologue traditional monologue is because he didn't want to go straight from SNL to Seth Meyers and be like, oh, well, this all this guy can do is be at a desk, you know? I yeah, get but that. That's okay. But that's all he was bad at. at he's yeah, bad yeah. at a monologue. Yeah. That's yeah, like Colbert exactly. is smart. Like Colbert is, he's actually fine standing up, but he knows how good he is behind a desk with the Chiron behind him. So he's yeah. like, I'm going to come out here for a minute and a half. I'm going to introduce people and I'm going to go sit with my Chiron and make you laugh for 10 minutes. That's No one's like, oh, he did that on the last show. It's like, oh, yeah, he's great at that. Colbert cool. had a great bit the first episode when he does his uh, title sequence and he was actually announcing it as it was going on. Yeah, uh, he still does. He still does, but he did it live for the first yeah. one. And yeah, I thought that was so hide. funny because right when they cut to him, he's got the microphone and he's like screaming, <laughs> Stephen Colbert, like Jackie Moon style yeah. into the microphone. It yeah. was so funny. And he didn't do that a- again. I thought that would have been his new, like, I'm taking the guest's credit. Like, I'm going to do my yeah. own. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna Somebody do my- thought at first when they thought he was going to keep doing that, that 
um, they were going to do a bit where there's like rumored that Stephen Colbert is the host, but Stephen Colbert is the announcer, like the old character. Yeah. <laughs> and they were going to do a bit where he's still involved as the he's Stephen Colbert, like the douchey conservative pundit guy is now Could the he announcer. Be more like out there in saying that trying to distance himself from Colbert report like you yeah, know, know like everything is like that was a character nine years yeah, ago it's like imagine doing xxx for 10 years he's like oh i can <laughs> i can sympathize you know like any jab he can take <laughs> yeah. at at the fact that that's not him he does no i think that's really important i mean that's the whole gist of that that uh, psychologist bit i told you about is to find the real stephen colbert i mean obviously he sees value in that so that's a big imperative in the early days of the show i think Brian, what have you thought so far about it? I've enjoyed it a lot. I'm pasting this I'm, on the end of our uh, okay. podcast, okay. by the way, because we haven't talked yet about it. So Yeah, I've enjoyed it. I have not watched every episode. I've probably caught like two a week since he started. But I was telling Richard, like, this is the I don't watch anything live except for sports. And I watched a solid 30 minutes of one of his episodes last week, just sat and watched live TV for uh for one because he's he's Gross. so good i know i know it's very odd that i do that but he <laughs> he's incredibly entertaining and informative and just it's i don't know that charisma is the right word but he is uh, like magnetic almost yeah. like you want to you just kind of want to be in the same room with him in some ways and that's he's he's power he's very powerful with what he does i'm i'm loving it i'm really enjoying it quite a bit it's not i mean it's not the same. It's really not even the same kind of show that Fallon is doing. No, or uh, Fallon's or, doing a clip or Kimmel. Show. Yeah, yeah Fallon Kimmel do. Yeah, Fallon's doing a variety show essentially. Yeah. You know, I, I think the, the, Colbert said that he's such a perfectionist. Like, yeah, everything really has to be perfect. It felt like on, at episode one, it felt like they had been doing the show for six months, but that was the first one they aired. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. he it felt it didn't feel like hey, this is our first show. There's a lot of like Myers definitely felt like that, but a lot of other shows have too. Even Fallon, right when he started, sure uh, felt felt that way, and definitely the Tonight Show with Conan. Like there's this weird transition, yeah. but no, like it felt like the Late Show, but then again, it felt like so much newer and fresher than than right. Dave. Like it really yeah. felt like Dave. Like the first episode, I think I texted y'all said this feel this is Dave. Um, it was early Letterman. Like man, I bet. I don't know if Dave's watched it. That might be weird for him to watch the Late Show, but I mean, if he has, I bet he's just like, man, this guy's incredible. What a great replacement! Or yeah, totally, totally uh, easy, easy replacement. Imagine if that was like Neil Patrick Harris. That would have been weird. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry. Well, his variety show is doing really well, so <laughs> that's sarcasm. And I like Neil Patrick Harris, but that show is pretty bad. We'll talk about it when we get in the pilots. Yeah. I can't so Colbert, it's, it's become clear, was the only choice. And, and Moonves nailed it. And, you know, as much as we crap on CBS, they don't oh. screw up many decisions. Nope. <laughs> Their business model is unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it really is. Like, it's because they have so many older, I mean, their, their viewers, like average age, like 35 and above or whatever. And so mm-hmm. that's all they have to appeal to. They don't have to go young and hip and risky like NBC or ABC, yeah. you know. They really don't. They don't care. They're not. They don't have to put mixology on like ABC does. You know what I mean? <laughs> they don't have to. Do and that they're crap. they're smart enough to be like, 
well, we can get young young people will flip to our channel for late night. So let's get what well, CBS is as smart. They figured out what what they do well, which is procedurals and three camera sitcoms. Yep. So we're gonna do that and do late night show and reality and, and oh yeah and Survivor and and uh, Amazing Race yeah and golf and football <laughs> yeah and Jim Nance like that's it <laughs> only Jim Nance things. Hello, friends. Oh, friends. Is Phil Sims has to be the worst play-by-play oh, person. I don't you know. Follow, you guys it follow is, that Twitter account? It's pretty, pretty genius. Uh, I don't. I want to hear about it in a second, but it is weird. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, as big as football is, it's the it's so dominant. I can think of five commentators that I... I can't think of five commentators that I even passively enjoy. Yeah. No, I totally agree. It's weird. Like, is that dominant? Play-by-play? Yep. Yeah, play, I'm the same I, way. Like, yeah, yeah. It's I don't think I can think of five that are like good. No, I'm not even asking for great. Like I like Gruden. He's fine. Yeah. Um, Al Michaels is great. Is good. Um, Collinsworth is fine. Aikman's fine. That it? Yeah. I mean, that yeah. might be it. <laughs> like, yeah. That's it. Even if even if you added in the people I on like Kenny Albert and, and like right? a few other. I hate Kenny Albert's voice. It is so fake to me, and I just can't. I can't ever get past it. It sounds once you realize he's related to Marv Albert, it makes yeah, they do kind of have weird voices like that. But Marv is a future American treasure. Oh sure. (laughs) I mean, I I I include Kenny. I mean, Marv in the Kenny compliment. Yeah, you can't. It's one and the same. Marv. Yeah, no, that's kind of an interesting comment. It's weird. You would think, like, I get it with some of the lesser tier sports, but as much people as football turns out, you know, and you also have 52 players on every team. So can we not get two former right. players a year that are not? Ter- oh, Steve Young. Steve Young's really good. Steve Young's good. He is yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, I mean, I it's, think, but I can think Michael, of Rich Eisen's think awesome. Of 15 Rich Eisen's, Eisen's great. Yeah. I, there are yeah, a lot I, of anchors I like, like SVP and. But they don't do ISPD isn't yeah, much. It's not football, yeah. I know not. that's what I mean. I know and that's why I said anchors. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's play by play is is tricky, man. Especially the people like Nance that do multiple sports. Nance does NCAA yeah, basketball Buck. and golf. golf and football. Yeah, I think so, Nance is good at what he does. I just don't. In- I think I would enjoy him more if they replaced Phil Sims with like a fern or something like. <laughs> I- I think I would. I would that just was, feel like Nance is talking out his nose to me, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, no, I, to, like, I agree with that too. Yeah, Brady. Yeah. I I just think he to Edelman. You yeah. probably don't enjoy. I'm this, telling you, the best, the best. Um, Plus, I beat person, him in one-on-one football personality on TV is Michael Suck. Irvin. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> on NFL <laughs> Network, oh, it, oh, Irvin is good. Oh, I don't consider oh. it's must-see TV. It, it honestly yeah, but, is. It it's not good analysis, but it's yeah, that's what I mean. Good I, you have to watch. Yeah. You can't stop. You can't look away. Yeah. Like he's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. They let him go off too, which is they let him be the biggest cowboy homer. It's <laughs> no. so funny. No. <laughs> yeah, that's have you ever seen reason. anyone not not only the Cowboys or Irvin? Have you ever seen anyone champion their team like Irvin does on NFL <laughs> Network? Like, would they allow that? Would any network allow? Like Ray Lewis to be like Ravens, Ravens, <laughs> like straight up on on air. You know? I told you guys my favorite Michael Irvin story from when he was in college. No, so it's the greatest sports quote in history, especially when you consider it was like a college junior making it. It shows the odd genius of Michael Irvin. So he's at he's at the U, and uh, 
back then the rankings, the uh, you know, like the USA Today poll or the coaches poll was called the BCI rankings at the time was pre BCS. And uh, so the, there's the BCI rankings and also a lot of Miami players were getting in trouble with the law. And he was asked about this. Keep in mind, a college kid. And they said, you know, what's with your team? Are you guys worried about some of your character affecting you on the field? He goes, no, man, that's us. Number one, BCI. Number one, FBI. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Classic. No college junior would ha- have the brain or balls to say that in 2015. God, I love future eight American treasure, Michael Irvin. Um, right. I like the uh, Michael, potential of a Michael Irvin Marv Albert class. 